everybody. This is Tova from Operation Tube Top, and I am sitting with Oliver Lehman. Hi, Oliver. Hi. Hi. So we're going to take a quick break to test the sound, and then we'll be right back. So, um, Oliver. <laughs> Tova. How about you tell me where you're from? Maybe tell me a little bit about your who you are. Okay. Um, well, the easy story would be I'm from Vienna. Mm-hmm. Uh, the not so easy story is that none of my relatives uh, is from Vienna. So that's typical Viennese. Uh, well, it is in a way. Um, my father was from Germany, mm-hmm. um, and my mother's from England, and um, with some Welsh um, aspects there as well. Mm-hmm. And they met in Vienna, uh, introduced to each other by a friend at the airport. Oh. Flughafen Schwächer, when it still <laughs> it's was a romantic sort of place. Lazy, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but they actually moved to Germany, um, where, where my father worked, and then only returned in 1962. Okay. Some time ago. Some time ago. And you were born in Vienna. That's right. And where did you grow up in Vienna? I grew up in the first district. Terrible place. Not only the first district, it's actually the very center of the first district. Okay. Um, In the church, Stefan's Basically next to the church. Um, I I remember as a child being able to uh, distinguish uh, six or seven different churches by their bells, um, because this place, of course, is surrounded by churches. Yeah, it's very it Jewish. A, it, it's well, speaking <laughs> of that, it was very interesting because there were three again distinct groups of interesting people on that street in the Angergasse, mm-hmm. Singerstrasse. One were the monks oh. um, from the Franciscan order mm-hmm. with their brown habits. Uh, the others were nuns from the German order, Deutsche Ordens. Mm, so they were okay. fun. They were fun, and they were black. And there was another group of black guys. Those were the Orthodox Jews mm-hmm. from um, their little synagogue in the Grünangergasse. I didn't know and there was a, one there. There was there. There's one, and uh, and they uh, and I sort of mixed them up. I sort of put the um, the monks, the nuns, and the Orthodox Jews all sort of into the same category. Category, which in a way I don't see that being so different from each other. No, yeah. nobody's having fun. Uh, just about. Uh, and what excited me a lot at that time was uh, there was the butcher, the kosher butcher, oh. in the corner, and uh, we could actually uh, watch him at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could give you some details on that. No, 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 no. Well, whatever he introduced <laughs> was on display at oh. the Jewish butcher shop, Ecke uh, Franziskanerplatz Singerstrasse, which is now an Italian restaurant. Which is one of my favorite Italian restaurants there in you are. Vienna. Can you go back to this restaurant now since you know that they had Great. little rabbits that and were chicken butchered. on display? <laughs> Great. So the Cantinetta La Norma is one of my favorite places. There you are. I go there all the time. Well, that's there good to know. Are. Oh, I didn't know the history of that place. 
now I know that it's a cesspool of death. Great. <laughs> Thanks for ruining that for me, Oliver. Um, so growing up in Vienna, what was it like at that time in, you know, 60s, 70s? What was the the vibe in Vienna? Um, strange enough, growing up right in the center of town was like growing up in a village because yeah. all the courtyards were open. There were no buzzers, no intercoms. Um, we as children sort of could roam the city, could roam the, that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was hardly any traffic. Again, it sounds really strange and like from a Victorian novel, but true. Yeah. Um, less and, consumption. Uh, less consumption. And we really enjoyed ourselves. I mean, I still remember the smallest park of Vienna, which is um, between Grünangergasse and Nikolaigasse, mm-hmm. uh, usually only known to dopeheads who would go there. <laughs> so I have not been there. So you have not been <laughs> I there. I have not been Apart there. Apart from dopeheads, you'd find at that time uh, you would have uh, the children from the neighborhood obviously playing there, but also burying their pets, birds, and other <laughs> pet animals. So one day, again, we were here in Vienna talking about death. Yeah, so one which day, is yeah, hand in hand. Uh, when archaeologists will unearth this um, little, the smallest park uh, of Vienna, they will find a very strange mixture of uh, bones, um, which will give them a lot to think about. That's fantastic. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I I saw something about this person had a movie idea where some archaeologist, you know, in the future goes back and finds something and he can't see the, read the language because it's obviously in English or in German and it's thousands of years later and he finally figures it out and it says, live, love, laugh. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> no, it's not because he's so frustrated because one of these stupid signs you put up in your kitchen. Right. Um, so growing up in Vienna at that point was relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, what really hits me when I now watch films from that time in Vienna mm-hmm. Uh, you might have come across Kotan and Mittel. And that would uh, show Vienna in the late 70s, maybe early 80s, but rather late 70s, is how incredibly grey the city was. Grey and dark. Mm-hmm. So different. And dull. Okay. Uh, and, and that rarely changed. Yeah. That changed. And one reason why it changed, uh, which might sound a bit smug here, was the fact? Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's important. Was the fact that um, I was I was born the year nineteen sixty four. Okay. Which is the now you do the math and figure out how old. <laughs> yeah, that's old. Tomorrow I'll figure it out. Okay. I need my calculator. And uh, that that was the uh, year with the most births since nineteen forty five. So there wow. was a big group, obviously the biggest group so far mm-hmm. of youngsters of mm-hmm. that age. With nowhere to go, and mm-hmm. there were like only a couple of cafes that basically would permit us to enter. Yeah, there were only a couple of bars where we could go after ten o'clock, and which would actually also uh, accept us and wouldn't kick us out. Because you were eight. Exactly, and the point was so there were there was a huge crowd. Yeah. <laughs> only very few places like Ufia, Shoko, Krugerhof. This doesn't mean anything to you, but no. to a lot of your listeners, I've heard of Ufia. Okay. Uh, Ring, Amelinghaus, mm-hmm. Arena, um, and which meant that uh, a lot of people met in these very few places, mm-hmm. um, not regarding any kind of youth culture distinctions. So punks and mods and poppers, uh, whatever, would meet, would even mingle in these places. 
And the interesting thing to take this on is that, uh, of course, these kind of friendships, or at least acquaintances which developed at that age, mm -hmm. um, continue. And so it was quite an easy time to develop a network. Mm -hmm. Before Facebook. Before Facebook. That's interesting. I mean, it makes sense. And it was kind of a, it's 20 years after the war that decimated Vienna. You've got this new hope. You've got, I guess the UN came in a few years after that, 70s. Because um, I remember when I was in Vienna in the 90s, it was still pretty dull. <laughs> well, then just, just <laughs> I can't try to figure it out. I can't and it imagine. was in the 70s. My mother worked for the United Nations. Right. And that was the reason why she had come here. And that was, of course, a kind of... Uh, Counterworld or, or, or subculture, mm -hmm. which was completely detached from Vienna. Like people would not speak and talk to anything Viennese or anyone Viennese. Still can happen. It still can happen, <laughs> so, but it has improved. It, it has improved. Yeah. And I remember when my parents moved here in the 90s, it was considered still kind of a hardship posting. Really? Yeah. Because shops are closed on Sundays and Aww. most Saturdays. Aww. And yeah, and, and you couldn't get some good meat and I know I know we're spoiled but that it was considered a hardship posting it no longer is but that was the time um do you think Vienna is getting better and better mm. Vienna has improved mm -hmm. um the, the, the mere fact that the city is uh, growing that the population is increasing obviously is a proof to that um everything changed basically if you try to sort of uh, boil it down, uh, it would be the fall of the Iron Curtain in 1989. Yeah. Something yeah, only contributed a little to it. <laughs> but nevertheless, it was there at the right place yeah. at the right time. Yeah. And it was kind of this gateway. It was kind of the the well, place. It was kind of like the last stop yeah. before the end of the world. Yeah. I remember going round, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing, yeah. I That's remember okay. going round on Interrail in the 80s and impressing especially American students, girl students, uh, also on some kind of interrail scheme, uh, telling them that I actually live in Vienna and we actually look into the barrels of the communist tanks <laughs> and basically <laughs> under siege and it would basically be their obligation to... Uh, to go out for dinner with you? Entertain us <laughs> and believe us. Actually, went very, this worked very well. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah you need a new out. scandal, you need something. Yeah, yeah, no, this worked very well. So this, the fall of the Iron Curtain, the opening of uh, Eastern Europe, really was the, 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 the $6 million deal for Austria, for yeah. Vienna at that point. Um, and I always like to say Austria had all the advantages of European reunification without the disadvantages the Germans had. Because yeah. we sort of, sort of we, we could make deals with them, we could sell them stuff, mm -hmm. but we didn't have them within the country. Yeah. Some things the Germans, a thing the Germans now... Um, I'm very sorry about it, as mm. you can see with the last election results yeah. of the IFD. Um, not that Austria does not have. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what <laughs> happened a couple of years ago? <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, this really um, helped Vienna in an incredible way. I remember um, when I uh, started to work as a journalist in the late 80s, Vienna was at about 1.6 million, wow. 1.65 million mm -hmm. population. Uh, and now it's heading towards 2 million by 2030. Yeah. So um, this is a huge change. And this is actually only catching up with the uh, status it had, uh, the numbers it had uh, at the end of the monarchy. Oh. Uh, at the beginning of the First World War. Yeah. When it was 
huge capital of two million. Uh, so actually, we're returning to that. Um, Yay, monarchy! But at least in arts and in science, uh, managing to uh, finally managing to reconnect with uh, with a good part of the Austria of, of the Viennese history. Yeah, no, I'm. I have a lot of musician friends, and they say this is still the key place to be if you're going to be a musician. And I think for artists, it's a great deal. And I had. Somebody once said the best place in the world to be poor is Vienna because you can afford to do so much with so little money. And this is still true up to a I mean, rent, forget that. You have to be homeless. But you can go to the museums once a month and it's free. And there's a lot, it's still cheaper than any other capital city that I've been to. Um, so, okay. Well, speaking of science, we'll go to that. <laughs> um, what is your connection to the science ball? Because a lot of people have seen me post about it in the past. So what is your connection to the science ball? Right. So officially, I'm the chair of the organizing committee of the Vienna Science Ball. Mm -hmm. uh, the short version is, uh, in German, you can say, by Mutti. Mutti. Right, which basically means the mother of the ball, mm -hmm. uh, which is an honorary title, proper um, women of the society mm -hmm. for their services to huge balls they organize. Um, um, obviously, balls are a big thing in Vienna. Yes. Which is a strange sentence. We, <laughs> Every time I talk about <laughs> it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, I think the biggest, one of the biggest identities of this city is is the ball season. And I mean, even in Ottawa, you have a Vienna ball. And so it was obvious to... Um, so balls have a very high uh, societal reputation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, professions uh, organize their own balls as a kind of network, but also as a kind of representation, mm -hmm. field of representation. And strange enough, um, scientists and the science did not have this kind of representation. You would have three university balls from universities, which which are fine. The, you'd have balls for technicians and... and uh, Policemen. Physicians and policemen and uh, butchers and butchers' daughters and sons and uh, <laughs> Croats and Serbs. And it was kind of like 450 balls in that season. 450 season. balls. 450 balls. Wow. Uh, not talking about the Open Bayern, yeah. like the Philharmonica Bayern, technical circle and all those things. Um, but scientists, strange enough, did not have this kind of, of representation, which is strange for many reasons. One, uh, is that Vienna is the biggest research and university hub in Central Europe, mm -hmm. bigger than, for instance, Berlin. Wow. There are 220,000 people in this city uh, who study at Vienna universities and wow. research, and, which is more than in Berlin. Because mm -hmm. um, everyone's a hipster now in Berlin. And, and obviously Berlin is bigger, is, mm -hmm. is, is in, in, by numbers larger than, than, than Vienna. Yeah. Um, uh, so speaking of these 220,000 people, this is 12.5% of the population, which is more um, than, 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 than Linz, wow. the third biggest city. Uh, ignore. Okay. <laughs> the third biggest city in Austria, and um, even more than, than, than uh, Favoriten, the 10th district. Wow. So the, the scientific community, I'll just call it the scientific community. Actually, it's a huge crowd in this city mm -hmm. with uh, astonishingly small kind of representation. This has a lot of historical reasons. We could mention obviously personalities, maybe. <laughs> no, no, it's not only personality. <laughs> no, no, but to be serious, obviously 
there was uh, the high time uh, at the end of the monarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, then science and research universities sort of um, declined uh, with the clerical fascists in 1933-1934. It was heavily damaged, and with finally when the Nazis came in 1938, um, they destroyed anything that had been left. Yeah. And while the arts managed to reconnect after 45 mm-hmm. rather smoothly, uh, the science uh, took a much longer time. It requires a lot of money. <laughs> it's not so much that, no, no, it's not money. It's, it's not money? really not money, okay. it's brains. In science, it's brains. Well, yeah, I'm not in science, so. If you destroy these brains and if you if you drive them out of the country, yeah, uh, you, can put, you can throw as much money as you want at them. It it's not going to happen. Yeah. So it really took um, a couple of decades and generations to reconnect mm-hmm. um, with with this fantastic scientific uh, heritage. And if you want, the science ball is a kind of uh, contribution to this past and an attempt to uh, put science back into that place it deserves in the not only the uh, global reputation or European reputation, but especially in the local Viennese reputation. Yeah. I mean, because this will be coming up in January, and I'll put links on later for the podcast about uh, where to get tickets and yes. the dates. And hurry up. And hurry up. And hurry up. Okay. You're going to reserve one for me. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, so it uh, it will be the fourth That's right. science ball. And you're saying that kind of one of the reasons that the science ball um, came to fruition or the idea was that um, there needed to be representation for scientists. How is this ball different from a university ball? Like what makes it kind of a different special ball? And I, I've said before, I love the science ball. I've been twice. Oh. I've always had a great time. Uh, it's not as big as the Hofburg. <laughs> well, no. And I like that. I find that it's much more contained. It looks like Hogwarts. I can't, I don't read Harry Potter. I'm just making that up, but it looks no, no, like no, it is actually. it's, it's, it's gorgeous. And it's a very fun group of people that go. I feel like it doesn't have that same stiffness. So that's my personal opinion about how it's different from other balls. How do you see it as different from other ones? Right. Uh, so the Rathaus obviously is a fantastic venue. Mm-hmm. This this uh, ballroom in the Rathaus was purpose built just for balls. You can't do anything else there. Speeches are terrible. Lectures are awful. Yeah. You can do balls, and that's, that's maybe a birthday party for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years. Um, so uh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, what sets it apart from other balls is the fact that we have taken the format of the ball, mm-hmm. which is very formal and has um, very strict aspects that are followed, uh, like the uh, opening by the uh, debutants, mm-hmm. uh, which follows very strict rules, uh, the midnight extravaganza, which is called the Mitternachts Polonese, which also follows the experience. So much from, fun, yes, uh, to watch. And I've never done it. Well, uh, so um, this this format is very formal, and within this format, we try what we call we try to charge it up with science. Mm-hmm. So we take uh, aspects of of, of that ball and. Um, think how we could present science with that. Uh, so one idea could be uh, you need some light decoration, some light on the ceiling. Uh, but instead of just putting up a few, uh, a few lights and, 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 and spotlights and, and uh, let the technician have some fun with that, uh, we actually asked uh, an artist, a scientist from the University of um, Applied Arts, the Arts College here, mm-hmm. in Gavante, 
um, what she could think of, uh, what she could come up with, and Katarina Ksaripointner. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. With the first ball, she um, thought about uh, displaying um, pieces of work that were um, developed in the context of an uh, arts and science program on synesthesia. Ah, because I went to her book uh, presentation and I sat there and I thought, I don't know what she's talking about. She's well, very smart. <laughs> okay. It's extremely exciting. She could tell you more about yeah, that. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to meet with her. The result was that we had these fantastic displays mm-hmm. on screen, uh, on the on the ceiling, which sort of changed the whole place and gave it uh, a completely different feeling. But at the same time, we still remained within the format of a traditional book. Mm-hmm. To give you another example. Yes. Um we had um, a big screen uh, where you could play one of these hit and run games. Oh, okay. Uh, which was sort of you would you would find these kind of things. You would find these kind of things at a ball sometimes mm-hmm. in a kind of lounge where you just. But it wasn't just hit and run. What you did was with playing this game, mm-hmm. uh, you were producing randomized data, which then were used for a quantum experiment mm-hmm. uh, in Copenhagen. Oh. So by playing, you contributed to uh, research and science and research in quantum hmm. physics. Wow. Did people have to sign release forms? No, or? no. Okay. That was <laughs> Anonymous. That was yeah. uh, and uh, just another example you will especially like was um, we thought, uh, what shall we do with the buffet? Ugh, uh, and, I remember this. Uh, instead of having just the usual or in addition to having the usual kind of food and finger food, uh, we had... Um, we had cooks and a scientist from the University for Life Sciences um, preparing insects. Oh, so gross. <laughs> Office twin was all over that, and he tried to make me eat it. He said he was going to give me 100 euros if I ate one, and I didn't do it. Well, you were one of the 20% who did not approve of yeah, that. Yeah, people were excited it's about it. Nice. They loved it. Exactly. I no one. So this is what we do, and this is what sets that all apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of the science side, that sort of thing. Fun side. Mm-hmm. It also has another aspect you, of course, know about is that at the time when the ball was established in 2015, um, the universities, but also the uh, mayor of Vienna um, and the scientific community as such, in addition to the city councillor for universities, which then was Alexander von der Bein, mm-hmm. who is now president. Yes, who I met at the science ball a couple of years ago. That's where you meet them. That's where you meet them. <laughs> were extremely unhappy with the so-called academica buyer. Oh, I wonder why. You wonder why. <laughs> and this academica buyer hardly, hardly has anything to do with academia. No. Uh, but is a meeting spot for right-wing fraternities um, where they meet once a year and try to display their social status. And this was upsetting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and that was one of the reasons uh, why we started to discuss to come up uh, with another project. While we do not um, see the Vienna Ball of Sciences as a sort of counter strike, no. as this would sort of. Um, the, the Vienna Ball of Sciences is a ball in its own right. Yeah, it stands it on its own. It doesn't need to be in. Right. competition with the other ball when there really is no competition. Well, there is but... no competition because it's much smaller. Yeah. And um, we're much, uh, obviously, we're 
much more successful. And um, um, no protesting. <laughs> no protesting. We have science and nature reporting on the ball. Yeah. So yeah. Protesting one. Yeah. And we have the president of Austria who was there last time. You remember? I do. And he people went crazy. Absolutely. Selfie heaven. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. I I have to say, like, I'm a big fan of. The mayor, I'll be sad to see him go. I think he's done so much for the city. And he also has a science background. That's right. He's a trained biologist. Which is amazing. And uh, no, it's really exciting. It's exciting to see a ball that has kind of a fresh perspective on ball season. You also don't have as strict a dress code compared to the other balls. Not quite as strict. but uh, There's still a dress code. but There it's... is a dress code. And I must say, and this is what we uh, thought last year, that actually... The dress uh, and the suits and the attire really improved over three years. Mm -hmm. So scientists obviously are able to learn. <laughs> I would learn hope so, things. yeah. And so uh, some of them actually went to the trouble to buy white shirts. Nice. And, and, and it's all men. Yeah. But women, oh, no problem. Anymore. We know what we're doing. No. Um, We've been told what to wear for years. <laughs> and uh, some of them even went to the trouble to buy and observe the suits. So that's, I mean, that's improvement. Absolutely. Yeah. Ah. yeah, I might be wearing a hoop skirt this year. Good. <laughs> might be a fire hazard. I don't know if I'll fit through any doors. No, we'll just try and find you a proper place at the table. So that just... <laughs> it just goes right up. Yeah, it's right now in my, my bedroom. My husband saw it the other day, and he's like, what is that? And my son likes to play under it like a tent. There you are. Yeah, yeah so it's it's perfect. So um, I, I definitely will be posting the links. And before we end this, I have to ask a couple of Vienna-based questions because I try to make this podcast Vienna-based because that's where I am. Otherwise, I could just talk about myself. Um, what's the date for the Science Ball? That's going to be... The date for the Science Ball is January 27th, okay. 2018. And when do the tickets go on sale? The tickets go on sale on November 13th, mm -hmm. um, next Monday. Next Monday. Okay. And I'll be posting the link for that. And... <laughs> Also, you have a poster coming out. That's right. And that was done by a friend of mine. I'm very excited to see it. There you are. Yeah. Lily. Lily. Lily Pan also. She's a very talented graphic artist. Fantastic. So I can't wait to see the full one. And mm -hmm. I will post that on my Instagram as well. Good. And so before we, we end it, I want to ask you a couple of things about Vienna. So I'll <laughs> let you talk. <laughs> Thank you. What is your favorite Sorry. coffee house in Vienna? Mm, the favorite coffee house would be the Café Enkender. Oh, yeah. I'm a fan. Do you want to know why? Why? Because uh, I used to cut school there. I oh. went to school around the corner. <laughs> so they've known, I've known that location for a long time. Yeah. And it has remained a very favorite and cozy location. Great food. Good food. Interesting crowd. Very eclectic. Yes. So that's where I am. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good place. I think... The first time I went, I actually had gone with you. I don't think I'd been before. There you are. And now I'm a big fan. And I actually took a friend who's a journalist who was visiting. Okay. He he wanted schnitzel, so we went there, and he was a big fan. So it's a good place. Um, what is your favorite kind of gasthaus? A place, if you want to have like a typical Viennese meal, what would be? That would be around the corner. It's the Birtshaus um, Wolf. I just had a conversation today about that place. There you are. That's so funny, because a friend of mine is actually meeting Joanna there. Right? Yeah, that's very yeah. funny. Okay. We were just talking about that place. I've never been, so I'll have to check it's it out. It's around the corner. I'll have to go there. And do you have a, a favorite historical fact about Vienna? Is there something that kind of you think is an interesting story to tell people who come to the city for the first time? Well, that's a really tw trick question for a trained historian. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're going to have to narrow uh, it down. <laughs> uh, that's um, um, a favorite 
story. Do you want me to narrow it down on a district or maybe where you lived? Maybe there's trying to think of a way to narrow it down. Um, yeah, that's mm. <laughs> really a very good question. Um, maybe a period? Or? Okay. How about, um, let's see, maybe between World War One and World War Two. That kind of, what was it like in Vienna at that time? Was there a lot of excitement? Or is that a period you just didn't study? Oh, yes. No, 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 <laughs> that, did I get the one no, place no, no, that you... No, no, no. no, I actually studied that. Well, uh, it, it definitely was an interesting period. It was um, a society in decay mm. uh, without um, having lost its identity, uh, having not been able to regain any of its... Uh, uh, competence and its outward-looking and, and international flair, mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, um, the location of a very interesting, extremely successful social experiment, which is called the Red Vienna. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there we go. Oops. Yeah, uh, Red Vienna um, being today still represented to uh, through the uh, what you would call in America the projects behind the Balkan. Uh, which uh, still contribute to the wealth and the well-being, the commonwealth of the city as such. Yeah, projects because, are not a good word, though, in North America. I know. <laughs> Just Demand, well, so communal housing would be the technical. Still not considered, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but I know, it, yes, here it's seen differently. Here it's a... Absolutely. It's yeah. very good, well, modest, but still quality-wise, very good uh, living standards. Mm -hmm. And this actually provides, because we were talking about uh, low living of costs here, mm -hmm. this actually provides to this quality of life in this in this city. The interesting thing is that there was a really remarkable and very eclectic group of English men and women who came here to study this. Oh. Right. And um, and which what year would this be around? What oh, we're time? talking about 1930, 1931 into 1934 and the short but anyway disastrous civil war mm. here in Austria. Like Evelyn Wow. Okay. Uh, would uh, would come here and 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 study um, Vienna at the point. Um, Kim Philby. Okay, I had no idea. <laughs> Kim Philby, the 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 spy. The, I don't know about her. Him. Him. See, him. I don't yeah. know about him. <laughs> okay, all your English listeners will know. Okay, okay. Um, so uh, this attracted a very interesting group of people. Um, and um, to have met those people and to sip coffee with them, that's uh, no doubt would, uh, would have been extremely interesting. That would have been pretty fantastic. Yeah. And in that time, in that turmoil, yeah. And I have to say with the Gemeinde, about, with the, the, the living situation, all of these communal buildings are throughout the city. You don't have just one area and you can have places in nice districts. I mean, consider nice districts. Pretty much every district in Vienna is fine, but it's interesting to see. And I don't know if it would ever work in the States. <laughs> you should not underestimate the, the possibility of this. And there have been very good projects in the States as well, but I agree. Yeah. Um, and it is actually a USP of Vienna, has yeah. been and is. Yeah, I think you get a lot of people coming here to study that type of exactly. situation. It's quite yeah. amazing. Yeah. No, my parents lived in a in a building in Berlin um, right. that I think used to be 
before the war, okay. uh, kind of a Gemeinde thing. And apparently Goebbels wife owned one of the apartments. Aww. And so I think my mom saged the place quite a lot right, to yes. get her ghost out. Did but, it help? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're still alive. <laughs> Worked out fine. Mm -hmm. So that's great. I guess we'll uh, wrap it up. As I said, all the links will be posted uh, on the Operation Tube Top Facebook page okay. and on my awesome. normal Facebook page, and I'll Instagram it. And thank you so much. Thank you, Tova. I cannot wait for the ball. Shall we have a drink now? Yes, that's okay. a good idea. All right. <laughs> so as I always say when I end my podcast, I always say uh, toodles.